Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. For the first time in its history, the 2016 census included a question about gender diversity. The results show just a tiny fraction of the population identified as trans female or trans male. Meaning that here in Australia, there's not many of us who've known someone or even met someone who's transitioned from one gender to another. So how would you react if someone you worked with made the move to live as the gender they felt was the right one for them? There's a locked round room there. I can see some people with big grins on their faces because, you know, they'd worked out. I can see other people staring urgently at their phones, which were suddenly needing all their attention and they were going to be the problems. This new place of work has really nurtured me. My boss is amazingly supportive and the team I work for are incredible. Today, we look at the ups and downs of transitioning in the workplace and how we can be the best allies for our colleagues. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. In the 2016 census here in Australia, only 1,260 people gave a valid answer to the first-time inclusion of a question about gender diversity. Of those who answered, 35% said not further defined, 18% identified as non-binary or a gender that's neither male or female, and 13% said they were trans male or trans female. Another 13% identified as trans, but without mentioning whether they identified as male or female. That is a tiny percentage of the population of Australia. But for those who are living in the gender that doesn't fit, it's a very, very big deal. Cherie was working for an engineering firm when she realised she needed to make the move to live as a woman or her mental health was going to suffer. So she took steps to make sure her employer and everyone at work knew about it. I said first of all to my manager and HR what I was going to do. I had a bit of a statement and I just sat them down and told them it was something important and they read that and I waited until they got to the T word and you could tell when they got to the T word, it surprised them a little bit. And then when I actually came out proper about six months later to the rest of the workplace there, I had a statement which I'd written up and I presented in front of about 150 people. And a lot of that was really just as a courtesy that these were my workmates, these were friends as well as colleagues, and it's not really quite true that way, but it did feel like I'd been deceiving them. And I said that to them, you know, I'd deceive them as much as I'd deceive myself, but it must be a bit disrupting for them to think they know someone for years and then to find out who that person is really like. 
But then she found her once very welcoming workplace became very hostile. Microaggressions, I think it's probably the technical term for it. They just avoid me. I'd avoid them because it was pretty obvious they were avoiding me. You never get on with everyone in the workplace, but to come from a privileged position as a middle-class, white, middle-aged male to being in a position of a minority amongst minorities, to suddenly find yourself in that position and to realise there's nothing wrong with me. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't hurt this person. I haven't offended them. Oh, wait a sec, I have offended them by being me, just by being me. That's quite a hard thing to deal with. It really shakes your self-esteem quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean, those those people, you could tell there was a problem with them. They weren't necessarily uh, avert about me, but I certainly had to pull back from them. And then there was a couple of other people, unfortunately, in management who didn't so much see transgender in itself being a problem, but were clear that the whole sort of process was confusing for them. For myself, one of the biggest things I was dealing with was a lot of anxiety you don't suddenly fall from that place of grace of privilege without feeling quite a bit of anxiety. You don't lose a whole bunch of friends and family and your entire identity that you've spent your entire life building your personality around. You don't suddenly lose that and not face a lot of anxiety. Stress about the future, what you're going to look like, depressed and associated with that. And unfortunately for some of the people in management, they interpreted the whole being as mental illness. And so I got characterised essentially as having a mental illness that affected my workplace function. Cherie tried everything she could to make her gender identity not become an issue anymore, but found she was fighting a losing battle, so walked away from a job she'd previously loved just weeks from earning long service leave. I tried to manage it for about a year. I formally escalated within the corporation right to the highest levels, That just invited more unwanted attention from their legal team, more oversight of the way I worked. I was separated from where I was sitting with part of the team. I was moved away because I was actually sitting next to the husband of one of the managers who was causing me a lot of this trouble. He hadn't spoken to me in a year, had made eye contact in a year. So that was a blessing in disguise to be moved away from him and clearly had issues with who I was. And I just got sicker and sicker. I got more and more stressed at working in a workplace where I wasn't wanted, where I wasn't valued, where I was seen as a threat, where I was constantly being watched. It got harder and harder until it got to the stage where a few weeks away from long service leave, I just handed in my resignation. I tried everything. I'd asked for mediation at that point, third-party mediation, and I was told no. No, you just literally you just have to suck it up and the problem's you, it's not us. So all I could do is resign. And it was literally a letter on a company letterhead with two words, I resign. So I walked away from that long service leave. I couldn't stay there for another few weeks to get it. It would have meant going on some pretty strong, serious medication to get through. And I thought at this point in time, you know, I haven't come this far just to have my life unravel now over money. You know, I'll go on the dole. I'll find a way. Not everyone's experience will be like Cherie's. Belinda was about a year into her transition when she decided to start her new job. She says the decision to leave her former workplace, though, before starting the journey was a very conscious one. 
I had done some research and I looked into my heart as well and the climate of where I was working and felt that it would be really difficult, not just for me, but for all the staff to adapt to the idea of me changing gender, pronouns and name during my employment. And I know that people can find that really challenging. And that wouldn't bode easy for me either then because I would face more hostility and discrimination by people who may have generally come around to it but might have said, well, I'm used to this person being Ben and a boy and a guy and he and she, now I've got to change. And wondering, does that mean I like my personality changes and all that? So obviously it doesn't, but... I really felt that it would be easier to start afresh in a new job. She says despite being in a supportive workplace, there are issues that do arise, but that she has come up with a plan to handle it. One of them is voice. So it's not the biggest issue on earth, but it can cause transgender people a lot of anxiety to make phone calls for a business purpose, particularly to people who they haven't met yet, who may not know what they look like or may not know what gender they're trying to present as. And if your voice doesn't align with the gender you want to present as, it can cause anxiety. There's nothing worse than ending a call and someone saying, well, thanks thanks for your time, sir. Or they say, who am I talking to, Mr. Someone? And you have to correct them and say, no, I'm Belinda. It's very anxiety causing. So voice is a real concern. Whenever I make calls at work, I just grit my teeth and pray that I'll be representing my gender properly. What I do is when I call someone, I say, hi, this is Belinda here, and I pause. What it does is it gives the person a reference point about what gender they're expecting to hear, even if the sound of the voice doesn't align properly. So I build up that expectation from the beginning, and it seems to work, but not always. Another issue is bathrooms. Now, bathrooms are an issue anyway in public spaces. There's always the anxiety of going to a bathroom and being stared at or yelled at or facing hostility by non-transgender women who may feel that you shouldn't be in their space. So my policy, of course, is go in, do your business and get out. Don't make eye contact or anything. But workplaces are a bit different because you're facing those same people every day. So if there's someone that you feel may be hostile towards you, you can be anxious going into a workplace bathroom for women and not being sure whether that person's going to be in there and say something to you. So how do you make yourself a good ally for someone who's transitioning in your workplace? Belinda says there are questions you don't ask and questions you do, remembering that everyone is different and may not be okay with the same things. And it does depend on how close you are to someone as to how personal a question you can ask. So asking how it feels, has it been difficult, or what are the positives about transitioning are great. But it is never your business to know what's happening in a transgender person's pants. Belinda says it's also nice if people understand that there's pressure that comes with being a very small minority. I feel like I have to be an ambassador for my kind a lot of the time. That if there is a person that hasn't really met many transgender or any transgender people, I feel like I have to be on my quote-unquote best behaviour, which means I have to smile and be nice and polite because I think sometimes people can only deal with one form of minority-ness at one time or difference. I can imagine them going home and saying, oh, I met someone today, I think she was transgender, but she was nice. So the joke in there is the word but. You sort of feel like you have to be on your best behaviour to show them that transgender people are nice. And I imagine it's, again, a bit like other minority groups who feel they haven't had much voice in the past. But they have to always be polite and nice, and sometimes that's exhausting. I don't want to be rude, but sometimes I just want to be a bit tired or grumpy in the morning and talk to my work colleagues about it and share that experience. But often I feel... Until I get to really know them, I have to put on my best smile. 
Lisa Anis from the Diversity Council says the best steps to take are to just talk about it first. If they are your employee and you are aware that they are transitioning, the best thing to do is to sit down and say, we want to be supportive of you in this process. What can we do? And to have a dialogue and a conversation. That's the absolute best way to start because then that assists you in working out what you need to do. And the thing is, if you've never had to contend with something like this, I would also recommend that workplaces reach out to expert organisations to get advice and support on how to manage a situation like this well. It doesn't mean you have to do anything huge. I mean, it could just be that you run one education session with team members or you have a communication with individuals who are part of that individual's team or that you reflect on how you've written your policies and you consider whether or not they're inclusive. So does your workplace sexual harassment policy outrightly identify people with transgender status in their policy? So things like that, does your payroll define people by gender? A lot of organisations' payrolls do define people by gender. So is it broad enough that you can make that change? So there are things workplaces can do, but the best thing that they can start with is by talking to the individual involved and then if they need to, to seek out other advice. They deserve and they are entitled to come to work to still have the same job that they were previously employed in. So for that job not to change and for opportunities not to be taken away from them just on the mere basis of the fact that they have transitioned or are contemplating transition and likewise they're entitled to work in a workplace where there's not unnatural intrusions on their privacy. I mean you wouldn't ask someone who's undergoing IVF intrusive questions about their IVF regime nor should anyone be intrusive about someone's medical interventions when it comes to transitioning and people are entitled to not only that privacy but to be treated with dignity and respect. So at the end of the day my suggestion to that person is if they are struggling and if they're not receiving that, that they get advice on what they can do about it. And if they are making decisions about employment, to seek out employers who are supportive of transgender individuals, because there are employers that have gone out very publicly with pride campaigns, especially during same-sex marriage debate, making it very clear the sorts of values they have as a workplace and the sort of behaviour they will and that they won't tolerate. So seek those employers that would be my other advice. And you know that old saying, one door closes, another door opens? For Cherie, who faced such a toxic work environment as soon as she started her transition, well, she's found her light at the end of her career tunnel. I started doing some part-time work just from home. And then other clients came to me and said, oh, you know, we want some work done. We're here not at that company anymore. Can you do the work? And I said, well, yeah, I can. I can do it myself. You can't get it done through the company because I'm not there. I was the person that did the work, but I could do it for you. So I had a friend support me with her partner and we came up with a brand name. We came up with a logo. Friend's partner even put a website together for me. And I started literally operating out of home office. And probably August had my third anniversary for my business. These are the experiences of two transgender women, so the experience for a transgender man would be different again, as it would be for another trans woman working in a different industry. The only thing we can do for all of these people going through the process is to be respectful, be kind, and remember, they're still the same person, just better. 
That's the quickie for today. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie. But if you're a parent of a tiny human and you want to find out how those in the very same boat are handling the situation, why not head over and download this glorious mess? Lee Campbell and Tegan Natoli get into some real talk about parenting, like Tegan admitting she has a live-in nanny and then having to go on the defence for those who judged her for it. Look, apparently it's not as glamorous as it seems, but you can find out for yourself when you check out this glorious mess, Little Kids, in your podcast app today. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.